Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. We focus on Jesus, being like Him and glorifying Him, and aren't afraid to do so because we've gotten past the world's myopic notion that Jesus and the Bible are irrelevant to issues and life today. I'm Kevin Brownlee, and this is Episode 4. Today we're going to talk about a concept that will make you stand out like a light in a dark room, as we Christians are supposed to do. It's called Be an Encourager. You know, unity among believers in the church is really important. That concept shows up in almost all of the New Testament writings, especially of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Satan wants to disrupt unity in the church and cause disagreements, fights, which sometimes result in church splits and certainly dwindling attendance. And he wins. When the early church started a couple thousand years ago, a unified body of Christians was essential for survival and growth and especially ministry to each other and to the world, and of course, to glorify God. And it continues today as well. Even though we Christians are unified around the salvation we have in Jesus, and the hope we share of spending eternity with Him, there is a diversity among us believers that Paul explained in 1 Corinthians 12. And it is a good thing, if it's kept a good thing. Those diverse parts of the body— of believers are divinely intentional for different roles or duties in the church, which when we use them are put together well like a functioning unified body, ministering to the people. The Bible's term is one another. We're to embrace those God-given differences and encourage one another with them. Today our society can be characterized as selfish and greedy and uh, predominantly decisive about being divisive. So many people like to argue. And since we Christians are not of this society, but the society of God's kingdom, we are to live a more excellent way, to love others. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, our culture insists it's all about me, which is the opposite of one of the main tenets of true Christianity. It's all about Christ and loving others and doing things for one another. You know, when it's all about me, there is no unity. When it's all about Christ and loving others, there will be unity. God designed the church body of believers to help each other and to grow in Christ. When there isn't unity, divisions occur, and the ministry of the church diminishes. Where there is unity, the ministry of the church flourishes. The best way to promote unity is to encourage others. Remember the Adam Sandler movie, The Water Boy? There was this dirty-faced townie, played by Rob Schneider, that showed up in several scenes. I like to call him an encourager. That's the guy that would shout out, You can do it! <laughs> in fact, if that's the part I remember most about the movie, maybe that's the theme of the movie, being an encourager. You know, encouraging others probably isn't natural for you. It's something you have to learn and practice. In other words, you learn it by doing it. 
I believe as Paul matured in his ministry, he focused much more on unity among believers later in his life. He did so by encouraging others. There was an issue where encouragement from Paul was lacking early in his ministry, but he did learn from it and became a well-polished encourager, for example, to Timothy and to Titus several years later. We can learn as Paul did about encouragement too. In Acts 15, 36-41, Paul insisted that John Mark not go with them on their second missionary tour. See, for some reason, Mark left in the middle of the first tour. But because of this, a division occurred amongst the group, and Barnabas took Mark with him to his hometown on Cyprus. Barnabas did so because he could see Paul's no confidence in Mark hurt Mark, and he wanted to be an encourager to him. In fact, Barnabas is actually that guy's nickname. His real name was Joseph. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Several times in the Bible, we read and become very impressed with Barnabas as an encourager. The encouragement of Barnabas gave Mark very impressive results. For one, Mark later wrote the Gospel of Mark. Another is found in Paul's last words of his last letter, which he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for ministry. You see, encouragement was the catalyst for forgiveness, reconciliation, and usefulness in ministry. Being an encourager means going against the grain, as it did to Barnabas. It may be hard to do. It takes extra effort, and it takes self-discipline, but the results are well worth it. Encouragement means support that inspires confidence. It also means to give hope or to build up. Isn't that what Christians that are part of the unified body of believers do? To build up, to give hope? In fact, Peter said to do those kinds of things so that people will come to you and ask about the hope you have and have an opportunity to witness to them. So find someone that needs encouragement and support them. Inspire them and give them hope. Endeavor to gain the nickname Encourager, as Joseph did, whom we know as Barnabas. You will be showing love to others, unifying our church, and creating usefulness of that individual as an integral part of the ministry of the church. But don't stop there. Do you know someone at your work that needs encouragement? Practical application of this biblical concept begins there. Find someone. Make a habit of encouraging others, and don't flame anyone, like on Facebook. You know, someone posts their opinion on Facebook, and people come out of the woodwork to shoot them down in flames. Don't be that person. Here's some suggestions of what to say to people as a form of encouragement. Pretty simple things, really. I like your thinking there. I sure appreciate the job you do here. I sure appreciate you. Your thought process is interesting. I'd like to hear more. I missed you yesterday. This place is better when you're here. I can tell you've spent a lot of effort on that. My day would not be good if you weren't here. Those are some of the things you can just say. It's so easy to do. Maybe to that wait person at the restaurant. Tell them they're really good at what they do. 
Just last week, our waitress at the Olive Garden was really good, so I asked her to go get the manager. She was probably really nervous and scared. But when the manager arrived at the table, I just said our waitress was exceptional, and I thought you should know that. And I hope we get her again the next time we eat here, which will probably be soon. Oh, and don't forget to encourage your spouse and your kids or friends. It's amazing how people will respond positively to encouragement. In fact, the Bible says we're to take this concept of encouragement up a notch. In 1 Kings 22.13, 2 Chronicles 18.12, and 1 Thessalonians 3.2, we're told to encourage leaders, and we're told to encourage others using the Bible, using the Bible as a form of encouragement. That's our source of the utmost of encouragement, is finding some scripture passages and encouraging others with them, including our leaders. Somebody I'm sure who could use some encouragement from you is your pastor. I had a pastor tell me one time, he gets 10 complaints to every one encouragement. And I remember thinking right away, oh, he's not a very good pastor. But then I remembered how people are today. They just don't compliment. They would rather complain than compliment. That's just not right, for Christians anyway. My mom used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. (laughs) Another one I've heard is, if you want to attract bees, you attract them with honey, not with a baseball bat. So let's get back to that concept of keeping the unity in the church. It centers around Christ and his love for others and scripture. In that First Thessalonians passage, Paul was encouraging a church to encourage each other in the faith, using scripture to encourage others to grow spiritually. Just as a second grader doesn't know as much as a 10th grader, And the 10th grader doesn't know as much as a doctoral student. People in the church have different levels of what they know spiritually. You know, their growth in the Lord and their knowledge. And when we realize that our church, the one we go to, has some second graders, has some 10th graders, (laughs) has some doctoral (laughs) students, they're all loved by God, and they're all growing and wanting to grow and learn in the Lord. So one of the things that's cool to do is just to ask people, what's God doing in your life today? What's he teaching you these days? It's really cool to see what the responses are, and you get to know some people. As long as they know that you're asking in love and in caring about them, not wanting to shoot them down. See, we should create in our church a concept of helping each other to grow spiritually. And not look down on anyone because they're a second grader. Those folks who have superior spiritual knowledge should not lord it over or be too righteous for the second graders in our church. We're all one big happy family centered around Christ. And we're to love each other just like Christ did and help each other grow. 
I don't think I read anywhere of Jesus while he was teaching multitudes, singled out somebody and said, Oh, you're not very smart. Go sit over there. Or, Oh, you're really knowledgeable. Why don't you come sit close to me? No, he gathered them all around and said, He who has an ear, let him hear. Which is inclusive of everybody at all levels of knowledge. So don't disrupt the unity by being high and mighty in your knowledge around the Bible. Help those that aren't. And do so in love. Don't belittle anybody. You were once at their level. Hopefully you had somebody encourage you. Of course, the content of your encouragement is important. People can spot a fake, so make sure that it's genuine and from your heart. And, on the other hand, you don't want to encourage people to sin or do something that's contrary to Scripture. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 how to deal with people who are continuing in sin or continuing to do things that are contrary to Scripture or continuing to disrupt the unity in the church. So to recap, unity is really important in the church. And Satan wants disunity in the church. Everyone has this role in the church, to maintain unity and to encourage one another, to love one another. Even though there are different levels of spiritual growth, everyone can use some encouragement, especially to use the spiritual gifts that God's given them, which are unique things that people can do, that he's kind of gifted them to edify the body of Christ in the church, to make it better. Some people read scripture and can explain it really good to others. Some people just help out around the church. Some people clean the church. Some people organize some events at the church. And some people are very caring and compassionate toward others. And some people are better at encouraging than other people are. But I think we all can be. We don't have to have a gift of that. I think we're supposed to encourage everyone. One of the things that it does is prevent disunity in the church. So be known as an encourager. In fact, wear encouragement like a good pair of blue jeans, normal, comfortable, and a part of you. Encouragement from someone is what set me out on my career that has lasted 36 years. The first five years of that was as a welder in the oil fields of Wyoming during the summers. And then during the winters, when I was in college, I was working in building construction and doing some welding there too. And then after I graduated college, I got a job in a structural steel fabrication shop. Started out in the shop and worked my way into the office and ultimately owned and ran my own structural steel fabrication company. I've been doing that for over 30 years. But what started that was my high school welding class teacher. I was kind of a class clown, if you will, maybe even a screw-up. But he called me into his office one day, and I thought I was was in big trouble. You know, we used to take paint can lids. You know, the, the lids that you pop off of rattle can spray cans? And it has this little square hole on the side that you'd put your screwdriver in to pop off the lid. Well, we'd fill that with oxygen acetylene and then set it next to a welder. And the sparks would hit that and go inside that hole. And that cap would explode. (laughs) And it was kind of fun to see. 
you know, right along with filling oxygen and acetylene in a balloon, tying the balloon and then throwing it next to somebody who's welding. And then boom. <laughs> anyway, I was doing things like that, got called into the teacher's office. But what happened in his office was actually a surprise. He looked at me and he said, Kevin, sit down. And then, oh boy, here it comes. I've noticed a few things about you, he said. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he saw those things, huh? But Mr. Nelson said, Kevin, you're a leader. I've seen how you interact with people out there. And that's a really cool thing to see. Also, I got to tell you, you're the only one in the class that's going to be getting an A in this welding class. And I just thought I'd sit you down here and ask you, do you want to make a career in welding? Well, I was a little bit taken back because I was expecting something totally different. But I replied, well, yeah, I guess. Do you know how I can get into this as a career in welding? And Mr. Nelson said, yes, I do. He said, Let, let's, let's work on this plan. He said, one of the things that I have learned about welders is their body gives out at about oh, 45 or 50 years old. So you don't want a career in welding that's going to last, you know, your, your whole lifetime. What you should do, because you have such leadership qualities, is to own or run a welding shop. Yeah, you can still weld. You can weld all you want. But you have qualities to be a leader and own your own welding shop. So let's do this. We've got three welding machines out there. They're each from a different manufacturer, a, a different welding machine company. Let's write a letter to each of those companies and tell them that you're interested in being the owner of your own welding shop someday. And you would like to know what colleges they would suggest you go to to learn welding, metallurgy, and, of course, how to run a business. So I did. I wrote those letters, and a few weeks later, I started getting those letters back, and all three of them actually came back within a week. And in my letter, I asked them to list three colleges that would be good for me to apply to, to give me some choices there. And as I looked at all of those letters, there was one college that was on each of them. And it was Laterno College, which was a Christian college. In fact, one of the only Christian engineering colleges in the U.S. And the only one that had a really good and well-known welding program. So I applied to that college and got accepted. And received a Bachelor of Science degree in Industrial Engineering and Management. And right after graduation, I got a job at Mountain Steel and Supply in Denver, Colorado. And that kicked off my structural steel fabrication career. So thank you, Mr. Nelson, for your encouragement. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything to encourage someone. Just give them a smile, maybe a thumbs up, or that okay hand signal. Someone else could use some encouragement. Me! <laughs> I would sure appreciate a review on iTunes, and if you would subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like to know more, or read some blog posts about how to be a Blue Jeans Christian, check out bluejeanschristian.com. And in our next episode, 
You know, if someone handed you a book the size of War and Peace, you probably wouldn't read it. But if I were to tell you, this chapter is fantastic, read that, you would. Or this passage, read that, you'd read that too. Well, that's kind of the way the Bible is set up. You're to read it just a little bit at a time, bite-sized pieces, maybe a chapter at a time or a passage at a time. So next episode, I'm going to teach you how to read and how to study the Bible. So as we talked in the first couple of episodes about prayer, that's our communicating or talking to God, reading his word and studying his word is how he talks to us. So I'm going to tell you how to do that in bite-sized pieces so it's not a daunting task, but something you will love to do and look forward to doing every day as a Blue James Christian. 